I think the biggest thing that, that that the MBA taught me was the ability to connect dots, mm. um, right? So whether if let's say you're facing a challenge um, at the workplace, uh, you would have done something somewhere in uh, during uh, during your MBA that you would sort of be able to relate to, um, right? So if there's a big change initiative that you wanted to drive, uh, you think back of a case study in 1995 when Cisco did a similar uh, sort of a change uh, management initiative across their organization. You think back of that case study. I, it, I know it's, it's it's like 22 odd years uh, ago, uh, but but you start thinking of those things and you, then you start making those connections. Welcome to the MBA Jam Podcast with your host, Avinash Bajaj. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the MBA Jam. I'm Avinash here, founder and host of the show. Today we are talking to someone who I've known for close to eight to nine years. <laughs> I first met Mahesh when I myself was not really sure about where my life is going to go. Leave alone discussing the impact of MBA on people's lives. <laughs> Today's guest is Maheshwar Ramakrishnan. Mahesh has done his MBA from SP Jain, one of the popular MBA institutions in India. Mahesh is currently product manager at Walmart Labs in India. After his bachelor's in life sciences from NUS in Singapore, Mahesh started his career as a web developer at Property Guru, following which he had a brief stint at starting his own company called Cranium Media which was a platform connecting freelance photographers and companies or individuals who required photography services. After his MBA from SP Jain, Mahesh moved into product management, starting as a product manager and advancing to the position of senior director of product management at Nallscape until October of last year, after which he joined Walmart Labs. Mahesh, welcome to the show. Hey, Avinash. Uh, thanks for having me. <laughs> nope, no worries. Mahesh, what, what, what else would you like to add to my intro about you and how would you describe your journey in your own words? Um, yeah, I think uh, you summarized it quite well. Um, uh, from, from the journey point of view, I, I, I think MBA opened uh, a lot of avenues for me, um, uh, whether it be a startup or um, even uh, joining the product manager role at Nallscape. Um, in fact, I met my, um, you know, my boss, uh, you know, from Nallscape, uh, who's actually my MBA professor at SPGEN. So the uh, MBA journey itself was, you know, interacting with him, getting to bounce off ideas with him, and then finally joining his startup. Um, so it, it, it literally opened, um, uh, you know, that door to join him at Nallscape and take it from where it was to where it is uh, today. Um, so, yeah, so I think that's the only thing that I would add. Um, other than that, from an introduction point of view, I'm a big F1 fan. Uh, that's, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. So, so you know, you, you did your bachelor's in um, NUS, of course, and you did in life yes. sciences. Um, yeah. how, how was your thought process from that point onwards? So when you did your bachelor's in life sciences, now, of course, after that, you worked in, in web development, which is yeah. nothing yeah. to do with <laughs> life, life sciences. sciences. Yeah. <laughs> so That's right. what was your thought process at that point of time? Yeah, so I think the, the, you also need to sort of uh, overlay this with the timing of my graduation. It was in 2008, uh, right at the heart of the uh, the, the financial crisis, uh, the recession that happened. Uh, Singapore was also, um, you know, quite, uh, you know, quite badly impacted because of that. Um, so opportunities in the bioinformatics and biotechnology world um, uh, were not 
there mm-hmm. as much as it was in the previous years, right? So, so I did have to sort of look out for other um, avenues, and um, and a couple of uh, minor uh, subjects that I taken at NUS uh, from programming and web programming to be more specific really helped me make that decision to move towards web development. So pretty much any professor's website uh, is something that I used to develop and sort of launch uh, their research papers online uh, at that point in time. So I used to earn some part-time money as well. So that really launched uh, you know, my interest towards web development. And, um, and again, they joined a startup called Property Guru. Uh, they were starting off, the, te- the tech team had two folks. Um, it was a third employee to join the tech team. So um, that was quite exciting as well. And so that was a thought process more to do with the environmental um, situation. Uh, but then I started finding out more and more, you know, you start discovering yourself. And that's what happened to me after I joined Property Guru. I started realizing I was more into programming than uh, than life sciences. So um, some of the analytical skills I carried over, but uh, none of the molecular biology stuff that I had actually uh, studied and um, actually loved studying during that time. But yeah. So my interest moved more and more towards programming at that point. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Looking back, do you, do you think uh, if there were opportunities to continue along bio, uh, you know, life sciences, would you would you yeah. have would you have uh, you know reconsidered if there were good opportunities, or did you actually find your path better than what you thought it would be? <laughs> um, no, thought about it that way. I, I think. Um, uh, from from where I am currently, I think um, bioinformatics would definitely have been a great um, uh, field to to have continued working on. Um, yeah, I mean, I was looking at the short term. Uh, this was about nine, ten years ago. So I was looking at the short term, wanting to get a job to sort of have, you know, all the financial needs to be covered off. Um, right. So it sort of, I would say, fell into place looking uh, at hindsight. Um, but yeah, but uh, but. You know, something that to do with bioinformatics is something that I would be really interested in. It's just that, you know, I do read a lot of uh, things on uh, bioinformatics these days, but um, but never got to work on it, right? So, um, yeah, I mean, in hindsight, I think it fell in place. I think it was the right thing to do. Um, and I found a lot of things that I started liking more in terms of management, product management, what I'm doing currently with supply chain, for example, um, then I don't know how it would have been with bioinformatics. So yeah. um, that unknown is going to be there. Yeah, fair enough. How did you end up in Singapore in the first place? Was it just for NUS or did you actually live in Singapore for some time? Uh, it was for NUS. So I did my uh, schooling in India and um, I got a scholarship to study at NUS. And um, at that point, it was a no-brainer to uh, take life sciences because uh, biology was one of my favorite subjects from back in school. So, um, so that's so that's where I I, you know, I was. I, and also, I think the field that I picked was like a like a marriage between IT, informatics, and biology, right? So it wasn't completely into research, but also a little bit of programming was involved there as well. Uh, so from that point of view, um, NUS um, the, the decision to join that program um, uh, was was like a clear you know once I got that scholarship as well, uh, it was like a no-brainer to go to NUS in Singapore. Yeah, yeah. So since that, you know, you, you said you worked in Property Guru, which was a startup. Yeah. And then yeah. from there, uh, you did a little bit, uh, you know, working on your own stuff for some time. And then you worked in Nullscape, which was, again, a startup. And yeah. and to be honest, Walmart Labs is the closest you've come to working with a biggish kind of brand. So have you always yes. been a startup kind of a guy? Oh, yeah, totally. Uh, even now, um, I, I do have, uh, you know, a little bit of, 
um, I wouldn't call it a culture clash, but one of a better word. I think, yeah, I, I do have that <laughs> uh, because, you know, there are things that we do quickly and fail in a startup um, and we learn from those and don't repeat those same mistakes again, uh, which you don't really have a lot of freedom to do. Uh, but at the same time, you know, there is a certain amount of flexibility that you do get, right, where you can experiment. There are, um, you know, things like um, events or there is some amount of time that's given to spending uh, to do other things as well so that freedom is always there but it's not the the, the, the sort of ownership that you get in a startup world so I, I've always been a startup guy I you know uh, but then at the same time I did want to learn how the processes worked in a biggish sort of company um, and so it may in, in future maybe um, when I, let's say go back to a startup it'll be nice to apply all of these processes there um, because I think in a startup, you're trying to figure out what to do um, and and you sort of make those, uh, you know, you, you know, you try to make the, you take those risks and move forward quickly. Um, so this is more of a process oriented way to do that, I think. So so there are those pros and cons, but I think that's the advantage that I see of joining a biggish company, maybe a few years down the line, going back to a startup and uh, seeing how things go. Would you, I mean, uh, how, how big is uh, Walmart Labs? Because Walmart Labs itself is considered to be like the startup aspect of Walmart, right? Because the scale of Walmart is so big that I yeah. think a lot of people might consider Walmart Labs itself like really tiny. <laughs> um, how, how big is that and how big is your team? Right. So um, in India itself, there are about 800 of us, um, right? Oh, so, wow. um, the, you know, the supporting uh, the e-commerce initiatives uh, of Walmart, right? Um, so walmart.com, samsclub.com, uh, both of these in the U.S. And then you have grocery in the U.S. And then you have Canada market. We also have the uh, Asda in the, in the U.K., uh, which is also supported out yep. of India, right? So there is a team in the US, there's a team in the UK as well. So I think uh, Walmart Labs uh, and all of these are employees of Walmart Labs, right? Um, so these folks are all in Walmart Labs organization. Um, so I, I think if you put together everybody from all the different geographies, I think it's close close to, I think, uh, 2,500 to 3,000 people odd if you look at it uh, holistically across all locations. And we're expanding. Uh, but to put it in perspective, Walmart as an organization uh, globally has close to 2 million employees. So that's pretty huge. right? Exactly. So uh, this is relatively pretty lean, I would say. Um, and, and I think most of the processes that we are following are quite on that same process. Uh, you know, we do have a lot of the agile methodologies that we do, uh, you know, pretty much any other company that does that. But um, not to say that this is an organization that believes in older processes we are on the cutting edge uh, but but we are spread out uh, geographically as well yeah yeah fair enough going back going back in time again um so yeah that's great so at what point did you even consider doing your mba and why so i think you know there's one specific incident i would say but then there are a lot of other factors as well but i think this is one specific incident that I would say was a turning point. So I was actually, um, just to give a little bit of context, so I was working on a tool called um, a Property Guru Analytics tool, which uh, essentially, you know, you go to any uh, zip code, you put in any zip code into this tool. It's, it's a property uh, sort of uh, analysis tool which would tell you, uh, you know, what would be the appreciation of this property five years down the line? How close is it to a metro uh, station nearby, uh, you know, lo local train station nearby? And depending on that, how much would your capital gains go up by? Uh, and so on and so on. It's like a 15, 16-page report that you used to get. 
And one of the things I didn't understand at that point in time was, why is this product priced at $300 uh, to a property agent? Right. Um, and so and so I, I, I mean, that's something that I wanted to. I was very curious. Why did we fix a price of three hundred dollars? Uh, the management fixed it. I was uh, working as a you know product manager slash developer sort of person because it's a startup. We had to do wear many hats. So I was interviewing property agents and so on to build their feedback into the tool, make sure that the there was a roadmap and so on and so forth. Um, so at that point, I was, you know, I was quite surprised that uh, we came up with this pricing of three hundred dollars. But but I couldn't find out why. Right. And and so the answers that I kept getting was, hey, this is uh, as a lot of accounting to it. It's it's more revenue driven. Uh, it's priced low at this point, because once you sell a property in, in Singapore to just to put pers- things into perspective, right, uh, an agent would get about five thousand to six thousand dollars, depending on the value of the uh, property being sold. Right. So for one report. Um, you know, it's not, I mean, for a, for a yearly subscription, it's $300, right? And they could basically generate pretty much all the reports uh, for the entire, you know, uh, Singapore uh, sort of, you know, landscape uh, in that year's time, right? So I couldn't understand this $300 pricing. And, and I tried to obviously look up online and, and things like that. And that's when I started realizing that maybe an MBA might actually help here. Right, because um, it might help put things into perspective. Where how does this pricing come about? Where what is the accounting behind it? Why does a firm do this? What is the business model around this? Um, and there was also the bigger product of the the website membership, right? So if you buy this, the website membership is offered at a fifty percent discount. So why was that happening? So these are a lot of questions that were uh, going on in my mind. And I also thought back about my NUS experience, uh, interacting with so many different people from so many different countries, right? Uh, and that was an eye-opener for me. So I sort of yearned for that sort of an experience again, and I wanted to go back to school. I wanted to go back to a little bit of learning, have that, um, uh, you know, have, have, have an MBA degree so that I could also look at a progression from, uh, from the technical team to something more on the product side. So that was the other intention as well. But this sort of started, um, you know, spiraling into me taking up, um, you know, classes for MBA and actually applying and getting in. So, yeah, I think that was one of the turning points. And then the other factors obviously played in as well. I see, I see, I see. So it, it was mainly the curiosity to understand how do people make decisions on the aspect of pricing, on the aspect of managing um, the the business side of things rather than just yeah. the technical aspects of getting getting things uh, in, in into a website, for example. Yeah, that, that's right. So, uh, yeah, so you do most of the things, right? You do uh, code reviews, development, deployment, all of that. You're always in that sort of uh, cycle, right? Yeah. Uh, but then what happens really on the business side? Why, uh, how, how does, uh, you know, my, my boss was Steve at that point. So how, how did actually Steve go out and sell this? Right? Why did he pick one agency versus another agency? Um, so sales questions I had, counting questions I had. And I thought the answer to that would, I mean, it could be an online sort of a way to get it as well. Uh, but I thought, you know, going back to that news experience, I thought the best way to do that is to do an MBA and find out. Yeah, exactly. Because because it's been a while since, uh, I mean, I say a while, it's not been that long. When did you finish yeah. your MBA? Uh, this was six years ago. Six years, exactly. So yeah. I think I think the last six years, you know, as as you might imagine, a lot of the you know online help has come up. So for example, Cora yeah. or the, a lot of online courses have come up. So yes. looking back in time, was that a decision that actually proved worthwhile to to try and you know get get going your curiosity about the business <laughs> aspect, or now looking back, it, it, would you have taken a different decision? 
to do the MBA or not? <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I would say yes and no. Okay. Um, to be to be honest, right. So so I think it's uh, you know I'm I'm, I'm going to try and see if I can you know summarize my answer quickly. Uh, what I'm trying to I think get at is um, one of the things that I was looking for in MBA program uh, in a good MBA program was the diversity of the of the cohort right so I was, I was expecting to meet people from various countries right so uh, I think it's not just about understanding the business it's also about understanding different people's perspectives um, right and I think that shapes up you know Cranium Media that you said you know the startup that is, was actually uh, something that I started up with one of my MBA classmates called Ritish um, right so uh, we both love photography we both wanted to do um, something for uh, you know as a marketplace and back in 2011 uh, there wasn't any anything in Singapore at least at that point in time so uh, th that was it and also it was pretty easy to start up in Singapore and then sort of scale up your company the government was pretty supportive there uh, right so you know so keeping those things in mind uh, I mean I don't think I would have gotten that experience um, while let's say learning online right Coursera or any of the other um, reputed courses that I think would provide an MBA program um, which maybe you know, from a content perspective, I think it's, it's probably going to be top class, right? Maybe it's being offered by professors from Stanford and Harvard and so on. Uh, but I think that experience um, I would have probably missed, right? Uh, where I could interact with people, um, um, you know, from uh, various countries and so on. Uh, but yeah, but having said that, I mean, obviously um, selecting a school maybe, uh, you know, which probably had more international applicants would have been a would have been a better choice but i think the taking the offline route and going to an mba and uh, you know to, to a school and actually being able to dedicate a year to it uh, was i think the best what uh, was actually the right decision was the right thing to do yeah um, that's right? a, that's i agree i agree i think that's a fair point because you know even, even my conversations with a lot of people a lot of them have gained a lot more from learning mm -hmm. with other students and their peers right. and most more often than not it's 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 what they learn even outside the classes that actually contributes a lot more oh, yeah. so if if it was just you know limited to technical hard skills yes you could have learned that offline or you could have learned that through any online medium but yeah. having the opportunity to brainstorm or debate or be in a conversation that's that's a completely different ball game <laughs> yeah yeah, exactly right. So, so I think from you know the case studies and other point of view, it may might say, you know make sense to uh, do this online. Uh, but but you know simple questions that get asked during a class, right? I mean, uh, there was a case study about a taxi company that had you know about a thousand cars, and um, and you know you'd probably be studying the challenges of maintaining that you know that that value of assets, that that high value of assets, right? Um, so. You know, there's a question that gets asked, right? Why, why does this company have to, you know, own all these assets? And then you have an Uber, which started, I think, 2012, 2013, um, right? So, you know, so those sort of things I don't think can come from individual learning that you will get maybe. Uh, but at the same time, right, you are, you know, you probably have to quit your job and then join the MBA, right? So, so that's... Um, you know, just to, you know, put things in balance, right? So that's not something that a lot of people can do, right? Very yeah. easily. And I think some of the companies do support it. I, I do know some of them actually do allow and encourage uh, employees to go and pursue an MBA and come back and sort of join them back maybe a year later or two years later when the program is complete. Uh, but I don't know how encouraging or how many companies actually do this today. And it also has restrictions on what level you are and so on and so forth. So, um, 
So that's that's something that we considered whether it's a good decision to quit do an MBA and see if that helps or not. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just in my previous episode, I was talking to Alex, and uh, he 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 did an executive MBA where his company sponsored. Um, right. the MBA that's a really good opportunity but right. that's, exactly. that's not very common especially yes. in, in probably Asia or India right so yeah. I actually don't know many of them who do that do you know companies in India that actually do sponsor a lot of exec MBAs I, I think Google does but I think that's the only company that I'm aware of at least um, and it's also uh, you, you know if it I think they also take a case-by-case uh, decision um, where they sort of, you know, decide whether that's going to actually help your career progression, uh, and then they do it. But, but I, I don't know if other companies do it um, uh, more regularly. For example, I'm not not sure about Walmart. I don't think Walmart um, uh, does that because although they have presence in the U.S., I don't think they um, sort of uh, have a policy around it. Maybe it might be taken on a case by case basis. But I don't think there's like a blanket policy saying you can do it if you want. But in the U.S., in the U.S., if you're an employee of Walmart Labs, I have seen uh, some of my colleagues uh, do an MBA at um, um, at nearby schools and then come back and rejoin as well. So that's yeah. a, something that's a different sort of uh, policy that's there in the U.S., but but not in India and Asia. Yeah, that's really interesting uh, because I was going to say that I, I actually was going to say I don't know if whether that's true in Walmart, but I definitely know that some companies who are based who are actually from the US and even if they yeah, have yes. offices based in India um, yeah. you know the kind of benefits are not necessarily the same <laughs> um, yes. in spite of yes. being the same company probably I don't know maybe a, maybe there needs to be a shift in perspective at some point of time or maybe there needs to be you know bottom up uh, you know level of communication that needs to happen but yeah fair point yeah yeah cool so I mean so SBJ Mm-hmm. Were you were you happy with the decision? Um, I, I think I think it, I think the usual, right? I think there were some good points. There are not so good points. Uh, a couple of them have already covered. I think one of the good or I think great points was the faculty. Um, I think the faculty were like I mean, at least I, I I don't have another uh, sort of uh, meter to compare. I don't have another MBA or another thing to compare uh, the other the comparison I can do is with NUS um, and I think the um, professors in both institutions were uh, of you know really top class right so, um, so so I think from a faculty point of view I think it was it was really good um, I mean I remember supply chain classes even till today uh, six years later so that ought to tell you the level of um, you know the, the the teaching that we that we had at SPJN uh, but having said that, I think diversity-wise, I think uh, institution could have done better. Um, you know, earlier I, I did talk about that, right? I think yeah. that's a crucial. How, how was how was your class distributed among the students? Um, from a demographics point of view, you're asking. Yeah, I mean, in terms of diversity as well. So, first of all. Um, were they I mean I don't know much about SPJ actually but okay. sure, uh, sure. yeah so in terms of the students I mean okay so first of all in terms of how many of them with work experience versus no work experience because I think that itself is quite a big um, difference right the kind of perspective students bring in when they do and don't have work experience and right. maybe in terms of you know male female split again that I think it's quite valuable and I don't know if there are any international citizens who come and study at all and even right. even from different you know uh, industries that they come from so was i mean the at least in your class how was the representation 
Right. Uh, let, let me give you a little bit of more context, mm-hmm. right? So I think uh, you asked me a really good question. But before that, so uh, SPGN has uh, a campus in Singapore, Dubai, and now uh, for the last three, four years also in Sydney, mm. uh, Australia. So um, one of the things they try to do is try to expose um, students to uh, different cultures, different backgrounds, different uh, different settings, essentially, right? And and make us do some industry interface projects, which really um, sort of helps you connect with um, some of the uh, folks on the ground, right? So, for example, we did a project with the Dubai Bus Authority uh, to identify a market research, whether they needed an app for identifying when the next bus would come at a given bus stop. I mean, this seems pretty straightforward today but six years ago none of this was existing at that point in time so so some of these you know some of these projects i think was was one of the you know one of the great points of joining spgen uh, and because they had these campuses across you could actually go out explore the local cultures uh, you know obviously food as well <laughs> and and get to know people uh, in the neighborhood right i think that was a great advantage of joining spgen um, so questions on yeah so so from a work experience point of view we had about 120 uh, odd uh, you know uh, to the cohort size was about 120 odd mm-hmm. um, and we everybody had work experience right so that was like a minimum sort of I requirement see. I think I think the work experience requirement was about two years I see uh, okay in, yeah, and and the average was probably around three, three and a half. I was at about three and a half. Yeah. Um, right. So that was the sort of the average uh, work experience of the entire cohort. Right. So um, yeah. So so I think work experience. I think everybody was uh, had some work experience that other. From a, 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 a woman uh, to 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 male female split. I think um, it was. Uh, Probably around 60-40 uh, going to the to the male side, mm-hmm. um, so fairly equal, I would say. Um, I don't think there was. Uh, I think diversity-wise, I think that was good uh, yeah. as well. Um, from uh, the perspective of you know various backgrounds that they came from, I think uh, from a, from a nationality point of view, that's the other point you asked as well. So about 118 of us were Indians. Okay. And there were two of us, uh, two of the you know the cohort who were from uh, Singapore, and one of them from Singapore, one of them from uh, Indonesia, um, right? So I think that could have been better, is what I feel, mm-hmm. um, because I think we all had a very similar, we, we, we got along really well. <laughs> yeah, know, you know how it works, right? So, it, it, so there weren't really, you know, it, we, we almost, almost it's as if we almost knew each other even before we met, <laughs> right? So, so so that has its own pluses. It gets you sort of acclimatized to how the um, university journey is going to be. But at the same time, it also robs you of the opportunity of meeting new uh, people from various different countries and so on. I've, I've heard other people, um, you know, in a, in a group of five people, there would be one from the oil industry, one from the, 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 the trading financial services industry, one from, a, from one who's just, you know, is an insurance salesman, right? And the other from, let's say, technology. Uh, and they would all get together and solve a problem that's completely different from, you know, all the five industries that they're actually from. Yeah. Right. And the prospect of that uh, is something that I think we didn't have at SPD. I, I think we all had a similar perspective to where the problems that we're trying to solve. And mm-hmm. I, I think that's where it could have been better. But Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That That's a very, very valid point. And so, so is, is that something do you think um, SPJ has improved? over time or is that something that you think is something that largely Indian institutions need to improve? I think largely Indian institutions need to improve. I think um, I, I don't 
know if SPGen has improved it because I mean it, it does come with that sort of the um, you know it, it's a brand in India right it's a it's a well known brand in India but I I don't think it did come up in the Financial Times hundred uh, rankings as well uh, sometime back in two thousand ten two thousand eleven as well uh, so there was some global visibility at that point in time and I and I do know a lot of people who have graduated from uh, SPGen uh, who are you know doing some great things in Africa um, in the US. Uh, in europe and so on and so forth so uh, i think the uh, i think it's it's question of time i think the brand needs to evolve um right yeah. so uh, as we take the brand forward i think that's something that needs to happen uh, and and the the sad part is obviously that cannot happen very quickly it, it needs to have um some amount of time put into it and i think that's what they're trying to work towards i think since 2004 uh, when the institution was started, uh, they've been trying to do this. Uh, I think in Dubai, I think it's a lot more popular, right? Uh, but um, but in Singapore and in Sydney, uh, there's a lot more work to be done in terms of um, getting brand awareness and also getting the companies to come in and sort of recruit uh, the graduates as well. Yeah, exactly. Did you say 2004 is when it got started? Uh, yes, so this oh, is okay. Um, so it's the, not the, the it's campus. not like age is old. It's it's a relatively new institution. So with that in mind, it's it's done pretty well getting getting there very quickly. Yeah, that's true. So I think the uh, uh, the SPGN campus in India in Bombay was started in I think nineteen eighty three. It was uh, this was you know the campus in Dubai who started in two thousand four, and then uh, Singapore followed four years later. And then you had Sydney uh, in 2013, if I'm not wrong. I so, see. Yeah, so I see. it's it's grown. I mean, I would say it's grown really well and it, it spread its wings quite quickly. I think that's, that's for sure, right? I mean, they have um, uh, had a great impact in all these countries that they've been part of. Uh, but uh, but I think they can still do a little bit better if uh, if the diversity and other things are taken care of. Yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. But did you ever consider going back to NUS? NUS has got a good MBA program, right? Yeah, I did, I did. I mean, uh, that was also there. One, it was too expensive. <laughs> I was still... <laughs> uh, no scholarship know. this time? <laughs> no, uh, that didn't happen. So, I, I mean, I, I did go for the interview for the MBA uh, class. Um, it was way too expensive and um, I, I don't know I mean the NUS uh, I was still under the so even after getting the scholarship for the NUS undergraduate course uh, there was still something to be paid for mm. you know beyond the scholarship means right so living and other things right yeah so, true um, and so, Singapore is not cheap and, yeah it wasn't so <laughs> and living in Singapore is also not not cheap so yeah after three years I was still under that uh, yeah that I wouldn't call it a burden, but yeah, I had that responsibility to sort of do. Uh, so it, that that played a big role. Uh, but yeah, but I would say, I mean, also the other thing is, um, if let's say I had option of NUS and SPJN, uh, in, in, you know, once I if I had gotten into NUS, I think that would have been a, a different decision. I would have probably joined NUS again, even even though I had that financial uh, responsibility to be uh, had it. I did get into SMU. I did get into uh, SPJN. And I picked SPGN over SMU because eventually, long term, I thought I would have to come back to India yeah. uh, for various personal reasons. So I thought SPGN was a good um, catalyst to do that and worked out that way. Yep, true. Very true, very true. So so after you finished your MBA, of course, you, you joined Nullscape pretty quickly yeah. after that. 
So yes. is that how did you? Okay, so you said you got the opportunity through your professor at at yeah. SP Jain. How did yeah. that come about? Why did he think you would be the good fit for what he was studying? So he, uh, the company was already, um, I think, one to two years old at that point uh, when he was teaching at SP Jain, mm. um, and so when they moved, so they had an incubator at INSEAD uh, campus. Uh, incidentally, so which is very close to NUS, um, so that's how you know I, I could meet him. Also close to SP Jane as well, so it was all you know pretty closely located. So um, that's how I was able to meet him quite often. And they had moved to India at that point in time, uh, their development center, and they had sort of an office in Singapore to sort of continue with the existing relationships that they built with NCR and few other institutions. So we started off with COP, uh, with uh, with B school institutions first. Uh, then the company moved into oh okay to give a little background so uh, Nordscape was into um, uh, you know simulations business simulations you know to to sort of train corporates and train managers train uh, business school folks uh, concepts on leadership concepts on change management negotiation skills and so on uh, using games using serious games right uh, you'll be given an objective you've got to go through various um, stages various levels convince people if it's like a change management or negotiation sort of scenario um, so you'll be playing these games to sort of convince people so the idea was to start off with B schools and then so who, who was who who were the users of this so was it something that was sold to businesses and people within the businesses who were playing these games um so yeah we didn't start off that way we started off with the B school institution we started off with B school students ah, right I so okay. uh, to, to to learn leadership for example they could play a game uh, running a virtual company, uh, competing with others in the class. I uh, see, I see. Getting okay. net profit, uh, market share, learning those concepts, right? So you could actually apply some of those concepts, uh, find out why is your cost of goods sold going up and, you know, those sort of things, right? So you can actually analyze a company in the in the classroom, play this game and, you know, emerge victorious four hours or five hours later. Yeah. Uh, th- that's how it started off, right? So that was our initial base. We wanted to expand um, the awareness first. Uh, and so we we started off at that level and then rolled it out to uh, managers, right? So they who uh, would probably head a business unit or um, would have to implement a change in their organization. Um, so, you know, there were various sort of companies who had that sort of requirement coming in for with, with all that was happening uh, in 2009, 2010. And that's how Nordscape started. So in 2011, when uh, when he was teaching at SPGN, we were exchanging a lot of ideas. We also exchanged new ideas for uh, simulation, how it can be developed and, you know, what all it can do. Uh, because there's mobile that, that was coming up as well. There were tablets coming up. iPad came out in 2010. Um, so we had to obviously, you know, sort of make changes to how the simulations we developed as, as well uh, and the markets that we could reach out to, uh, Singapore and Southeast Asia, keeping that in mind. So... That that was a catalyst. That was the starting point, I would say, and that's when we started discussing about you know how I could potentially contribute to, uh, to Northscape, and uh, and then eventually I was pretty excited. And when I played, you know, they had one product at that point in time, uh, so when I played that in class, I was hooked, right? So, um, so and right after that, I you know just told uh, Rajiv, um, founder and CEO, um, that would be joining him. And he didn't have any, you know, issues because we already discussed, brainstormed a lot of these ideas in class and outside. So um, it was a fairly easy decision for both of us. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. So so you you came into the company and, and you just got started. <laughs> there was yeah. no induction, nothing needed at that point of time. That's good. <laughs> Pretty that's, much, because I also really had spoken to a couple of them uh, in the company. Uh, 
I was a 12th employee, so it was pretty easy to get started off. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And that's when you moved to Bangalore, I believe. Yes, that's when I moved to Bangalore, back from Singapore. I see. So, so it's a very interesting concept. Was was it very unique in terms of what Nordscape was doing, or what? Or did you have competitors who were actually doing similar things? We didn't um, have a competitor for a very long time, and that's uh, you know a good and a bad thing because you tend to get complacent, so we don't want to do that. So. Um, I think Harvard had a, a business simulation called Forio, and they had a lot of um, you know different flavors, right? A pricing simulation, uh, like a business simulation or a change management simulation. This, they had similar flavors as well, and and they were at it since 2000, and they are Harvard, right? So they were using this in their courses as well, uh, as part of the HBR library. Um, so uh, they they were there, you know. We, we, from a competitor's point of view, we were, we were tackling different markets altogether uh, for a very long time until they decided to also set up a sales office in India and start, you know, competing with the likes of us. So uh, that's when we started facing some competition because there would be companies who come and say, hey, uh, we like theirs better um, and we want to sort of, you know, make changes and see how we can um, uh, do things well. And that's when the whole idea of customization started coming into picture, right? Uh, because one of the things that was uh, Harvard could not provide is that customization element, right? So although from a content and from uh, the learnings and the objectives point of view, it was very rigorous, right? I mean, imagine the professors were actually, you know, creating these kind of simulations in the back end. So uh, that's something that maybe we, we can't compete with at that level. Uh, but we could compete on the customization front. A lot of people wanted context-based learning, not just you know play a game and sort of. If they if they if they saw a character, they wanted that to be a team person, uh, a team name, a real real person in their team, um, right? So, so th- that's how we started coming up with mass customization, where we could sort of customize these sort of things, you know, characters and the, their backgrounds could be different, could be actually tailored to how their real team is, right? Um, so that's sort of that's. You know, we changed our unique selling point at that point when Harvard came in and we started tweaking how things go from our point of view. And, you know, one of the things of not having a competition is also the fact that uh, we had to educate the market. Um, We had to literally have events in pretty much every hotel in Bangalore to invite companies to to have sort of a, you know, look at what we do uh, before we could actually start selling to them. Right. So um, that's something we realized a little late. Uh, hindsight, it would have been better to realize that maybe in 2011. Uh, but 12, 13 is when we realized that, and that picked up um, the, the the business, and uh, we started doing really well after that. Yeah, yeah, that that must be a really interesting phase of of your career at that point of time. Because oh, yeah, you're involved in a lot of things. You're not just involved, like yeah, you were a product manager, but you know, you're you're pretty much involved in some executive decisions as well because every single contribution makes a lot more sense absolutely so every uh, character that went into a game uh, was questioned right so why do we need this why why can't we do something else why why is there a mobile app required for this um, right from that to why not we do something with virtual reality for example uh, why let them play on a laptop why could they not wear a vr headset and start playing on it um, right, and we used to hit a lot of issues, right? So there used to be firewall issues, something basic as that, right? Um, in various companies, they wouldn't allow any uh, person from within the organization to access um, uh, the simulation that we had created. Uh, right from that, all the way till whether the learning has been achieved, right? So doing yeah. those tests, having the reinforcements for that, so on and so forth. It's a pretty exciting period because also, you know, you would have a great product, but it doesn't sell, 
right? So this is a classic scenario, right? Why doesn't it sell, right? Um, we would we think of various different things for it. Uh, but it could be that it just didn't have the package for it, right? It's just that it was too difficult to adopt, right? That was one of the key things that we found out. And so we started making things easier. We started doing a lot more low-tech uh, stuff, right? So we, we thought an LMS is something very traditional, a learning management system. We thought it would be very traditional. Uh, but having that LMS and launching a simulation from that, right, seemed to be the way forward for adoption point of view. Because companies didn't want to launch a new site and, you know, have a firewall, you know, all those sort of things didn't have to come in. Where you could just plug in uh, a simulation into an LMS, right? So those are the th- types of things that we were looking into uh, improving. And I think that 2012-13 period was pretty pretty great from a learning standpoint yeah 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 fair enough so so from there of course you know uh, you progress a lot in the company uh, you became yeah. the director and also the senior director of product management so what what inspired you to move away from nullscape does nullscape still exist Oh, yeah, it does. It does. Oh, yeah, okay. it does. It does. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the, the, um, we did. We also got funding as well um, uh, you know, for an undisclosed sum. So uh, mm-hmm. that happened um, a few months before I left. Um, right. So so it was going well. I mean, it's still going well is, is what I uh, keep in touch with uh, some of the folks from from the team. Uh, yeah. So I, I think as you start growing the company, you start looking at uh, various challenges and and one of the things I was doing is also managing a team of other product managers as well. Um, and the company sort of mm-hmm. drafting roadmaps for various, as I said, there was an LMS, there was uh, the simulation products, uh, there was bite-sized learning, which is like your micro-sized learning bites that you could get on your mobile phone as notifications and sort of those things. So there were different products that we were sort of rolling out and uh, it was pretty incredible the, the last few months I was there. Uh, but the, exactly. I so think, you were doing think, exciting stuff, and you were also, you know, managing people. You were you were helping them grow. You were in a leadership yeah. position, and, yeah. and uh, then you moved to Walmart. Yeah. So yeah, what 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 happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think the um, you know once all of this was sort of rolled out, there was a saturation point. I think the the two levels, right? So one is at the organization level, and the other one is at the uh, the person level as well. Um, where I did want to look out for a new challenge. Uh, that was on the one side. But I think what eclipsed all of it was the whole thing about mass customization that I spoke to you about, right? Um, there was a lot more consulting effort required um, than something that you could do in a product, right? Um, it required, if you look at the industry, if you look at the uh, a and Accenture's of the world, um, they have experts who actually go down, consultants who go down to the organization, understand their learning needs, uh, cater their solutions to that and sort of deploy uh, whatever learning needs are there. So they have dedicated teams to do this on a, on a project by project basis. But one of the things that I was more interested in is to see how we can develop a product, uh, mine data from it, be able to recommend things to the HR community and, and so on and so forth. I think that was what I was really uh, keen to do. So, uh, but But from... From Northscape point of view, I think brand is established to uh, go down the consulting route, right? So that would probably, you know, my impression at that point in time um, was that, you know, it would probably take away the focus on the product, right? And uh, which is when I started, you know, looking at, um, you know, why not try something else? Why not try something into supply chain? Why not try something for um, uh, something in e-commerce, right? Um, and and that's when I started looking at uh, Walmart and uh and luckily got in, so yeah. And now it's back. No, that's that's really interesting. That that sounds very similar because um, 
I was working in a company before this and I was working yeah. in as a head of product very very similar to the position that you were in um, yeah. except even in that company a lot of the products and services it it was different it it wasn't like I was working on a platform that scales I was working on something that has a lot of customization and layers on top of it so yeah. once once you build a base product there are projects on top of right. it and I oh, think absolutely. that's, that's exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what it was because after that see. obviously there is the engineering team there is a product team still there uh, continuing to do uh, more uh, stuff on the product itself uh, but then you sort of then start looking out because it becomes more of a project than something that you iterate on a product and you start looking out, right? So that's sort of the phase that I was in. I mean, yeah, exactly. And depends on where the business is going, right? I mean, yeah. uh, if, if a business wants to keep innovating and working on maybe new technologies that can fit right. or maybe, you know, new ways to align the product uh, and, right. and have a platform mindset, then I guess it makes complete sense. But otherwise, I can I can see. But do you do you miss that? Do you miss the, the leadership? Do you miss the executive position or... Do you miss the position where, you know, you're driving decisions rather than being driven by decisions that are not necessarily in your control right now, always? Uh, without a second of thought, I would say yes. <laughs> uh, I, I do. That that's is... why I'm asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I, yeah I, I do miss that quite a lot. I mean, it's, it's scary uh, to be in that position, but I think it's it's also, you know, given an opportunity, right? I think that, that that counts, right? That opportunity to actually lead all the uh, the folks from not just, you know, the work or product point of view, but also their careers as well. Uh, I think that's a that's a quite a humbling opportunity, and that's something that an MBA will never teach you, um, right? And, uh, you know, the issues that you face on a daily basis, those are things that even a simulation can't teach you. We, you know, everything we, we face, we build into a simulation, right? So, that's how real we kept our simulation to be. But at the same time, you never know what issue is going to come up tomorrow. Uh, but, you know, the, the things are different at Walmart, right? I mean, there's there's a lot of people to actually help you out. So uh, the, there are things that are different. But at the same time, you do have some of the benefits of having the process-oriented culture and so on and so forth. So I think that that, that sort of um, that, that also comes into mind. But, but yeah, I do miss that. I do miss that yeah. decision-making. Where, where, where do you think your MBA has contributed the most? I mean, if you have to compare the roles between Nolscape and Walmart, <laughs> uh, where do you think it's had the most impact, if it's had any impact at all? <laughs> <laughs> um, definitely. I mean, uh, see, I, I mean, uh, for me, it's a little biased uh, towards Nolscape because it was a business simulation company. We were using a lot of the concepts that we learned in MBA. Yeah. Um, some of the frameworks that we had to, you know, we actually spoke to professors of various, uh, you know, the research papers where they had, uh, you know, sort of come up with those paper, with those frameworks, right? So we actually had to talk to them, uh, the institute behind the situation leadership framework. We had to actually connect with them, get their permission and so on. So, so I would say that from that point of view, um, the, the experience at Nalscape was, uh, I would say, attribute the MBA to quite a bit. But having said that, if I were to keep, you know, take the Northcape context and the Northcape business model out and say, you know, from a startup versus, let's say, Walmart point of view, um, I would definitely put it to um, the startup experience because I think, yeah, I think you, you get to do, I mean, some of the processes that you start 
you anyway learn when you join a company like Walmart, right? Mm-hmm. You anyway learn some of these things, right? Um, you really don't need an MBA for it. But then um, to have, to, I, I think I think the biggest thing that, that, that the MBA taught me was the ability to connect dots, mm-hmm. um, right? So whether, if let's say you're facing a challenge um, at the workplace, uh, you would have done something somewhere in uh, during uh, during your MBA that you would sort of be able to relate to. Um, right. So if there's a big change initiative that you wanted to drive, uh, you think back of a case study in 1995 when Cisco did a similar uh, sort of a change uh, management initiative across their organization. You think back of that case study. It, it, I know that's it's it's like 22 odd years uh, ago, uh, but but you start thinking of those things and you, then you start making those connections, right? So. Um, Things about a supply chain that that I keep thinking about, and that, that also has played a role uh, about how to optimize your, you know, just-in-time inventory and so on and so forth. The Toyotas, uh, those examples keep coming to mind as well when I think about Walmart and supply chain. Uh, but supply chain was only for about a month in the entire year-long course, um, right? So that's where I, I feel that uh, from a process orientation point of view, um, you anyway get to learn from Walmart, but from a startup and you know, the, the, the ability to connect dots, I would say, came from MBA. I think that was the biggest learning for me. So, yeah, I would, I would attribute that to the non-scale experience. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree because because I, I agree on the ability to connect the dots. And I think in a startup, you're put in situations that requires you to connect those dots, right? In, yeah. in, in, a, yeah. bigger, in a bigger company, you're, you're probably... Um, in a smaller environment, you know, where it's you and your team and maybe some stakeholders. So it doesn't necessarily force that much pressure on you to have to connect the dots always. <laughs> correct, correct. There's a lot more people involved. Um, so the discussion is obviously a lot more diluted in that sense, I would say. Um, so, you know, even if you don't come up with it immediately, there's somebody else who's going to take up that role, right? So there is that competitive angle, I would say, in a larger sort of context. Uh, but in a startup, you obviously have that, you know, the first mover. Uh, I don't know how to put it, but uh, essentially you get to drive those decisions forward. And that helps you to think on your feet, to be able to connect dots and think about various people, how they have done various things. Um, and even to, just to simply communicate with others, right? Things like social styles, how do you communicate with different people? So those sort of learnings from MBA do come back. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, if you were to talk to somebody who is very direct, um, you wouldn't go to them with long paragraphs of text and all that. You would just go with a quick summary. And, you know, so those sort of little, little things that you think yeah. about. Right. Um, I don't think that I've thought a lot during my experience at Walmart yet. Uh, but then I do. I had to think about that quite a lot when I was going to another company to sell an Allscape solution. Um, right. So those sort of things, I think, really played a role. Uh, while while driving those decisions. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So so you know you're obviously a startup guy. Um, so at some point of time, are you planning to start up something of your own? Yeah, I, I do. Um, that's definitely on the cards. Uh, it's more about timing and um, the idea itself. I, I mean, a lot of people have said to me it's not the idea; it's more of the execution. Um, but yeah, I, I need to be convinced about something that that I really would believe in and and then get started. Um, that's yeah, that's definitely on the cards. Um, for anybody listening from Walmart, <laughs> not in the next <laughs> few years, but but yeah. Uh, do you have some kind of do you have some kind of a milestone for yourself? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't actually, uh, to be honest. I I mean, to be very very frank, right? Um, none of I mean, you can look at the way that I've you know gone from 
biology to programming to property real estate to uh, so it's been more um, i would say it's it's not something that, that has been planned or well thought out i would say yeah. that has really helped a lot of things along the way right so SPJN happened. I didn't expect it. That that just happened. NUS was totally unexpected. Um, that also just happened. So uh, I would just want to take it how it goes. It's not a diplomatic answer for sure, Avinash, but uh, <laughs> it's something that uh, you know I want to see how things go. Um, you never know what will happen. So exactly, uh, and I think I think you're yeah. in a good position right now to take advantage of that, right? I mean, you're working yeah, with yeah. Walmart Labs and. You know, there's obviously e-commerce, which is which is uh, having having a good potential right now. There are these emerging technologies coming up, like AR, VR, and yeah. and there is some good startup vibe that's happening in India at the moment, right? And in your Bangalore, I think it's it's a lot of things are happening over there. Um, uh, but I I think from what I believe, there's also a lot of um, questions being raised about the sustainability of some of the startups that are coming up as opposed to just starting for the yes. sake of starting so yes. i think these are interesting times <laughs> oh yeah totally i mean that that's something that i also learned from knowledgecape right so um, even though we got that funding even though you know the company for for, for about eight years was completely bootstrapped um you know so the you know where do you stop right i mean where do you invest where do you stop right i also spoke about the play, the, the situation where we had to invest in a lot of these road shows and events for companies to come and have a look at our products right so you know that exposure really helped a lot to sort of know when to you know think about sustainability when to think about actually investing for growth where to draw the line between us that experience is going to be very useful when making that decision and you're rightly saying that especially for e-commerce in india sustainability is coming up as a big question with some of these big names um uh, i wouldn't say struggling but you know finding it hard to compete with the likes of amazon for example yeah um, right so it's yeah i think that's that's definitely something that uh, needs to be thought out and and yeah i i i do tend to overthink some of these situations so <laughs> So that's one of the reasons why I haven't started up yet. I would say. Yeah, <laughs> no, that also, that's fair. That's fair because yeah. because I, I have some friends in India and I'm from Bangalore and and yeah. one of my very good friend runs runs a business in India and and the the one question that always keeps coming up I'm like how's your business going He's like mm-hmm. dude Indians they just want to pay I mean they want <laughs> to get everything but when you ask them for money they keep bargaining they keep <laughs> negotiating and they just want to pay On the other hand if I get a client who's based probably in the UK or somewhere else, you know, they yeah, understand yeah. The, the fact that, look, we need to make money as well. So I think yeah, that's, exactly. that's becoming a challenge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, the other example is, you know, the entire pricing thing that I spoke to you about, right? So we wanted to price the Northscape solution to a business school here. Uh, they, they, they simply said, you know, you have a library budget of every student of 500 rupees. Uh, in the international context, that's like nine dollars, um, right? So they said, take that nine dollars, and you know, if you want, you can use that. But then we found out that out of the nine dollars, four fifty rupees, right? So out of five hundred, four fifty rupees is already invested into the books that the various students actually purchase and buy and sort of you know consume during the journey uh, per, per 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 semester, right? So. So we were left with 50 rupees. That's less than a dollar for for our simulation, right? Which we are saying is cutting edge and you know has mathematical models and things like that, which will actually help you learn a new concept in five hours, which probably takes two weeks to learn. Uh, those sort of things had come out, right? And so they said you have 50 rupees to play with, and we were like, really? <laughs> so, so so that uh, th- that experience I think is uh, pretty phenomenal to have uh, as a startup, right? So. 
um, yeah, you're right. I mean, that the example that you gave was absolutely spot on, and that's yeah. a challenge a lot of companies face today. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, it's really interesting. I think I think if we talk about that, we could go on forever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so I mean, moving on from there. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. You know, looking now that you know what you know, you know, looking yeah. back, what would yeah. you like to tell your younger self? <laughs> it could be anything. It could be regarding your, you know, your journey. It could be anything regarding your studies, anything. Um, I think, um, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> There's a lot I would want to say. I think that will also go on for us. But, uh, <laughs> but I think one thing that I would probably... Um, have done slightly differently would be uh, going going back to the MBA decision, right? I think it would have been uh, maybe an MBA with a different institute, maybe an MBA a little later as well. Uh, that would have probably uh, helped because, uh, you know, at, at, at property group, things were going well and it was scaling up and looking where it is today, um, it has grown to almost 11 countries in, in Southeast Asia. Um, I think I would have loved to have been part of that growth story. It was only there for the initial three years. Uh, it would have been nice to stay on for maybe a couple of more years, gain that experience and join maybe a different B school, maybe NUS, right? Maybe NTU in Singapore. Maybe that's sort of what I would probably uh, do differently. Um, and and instead, maybe, you know, the other thing is also the... Uh, I mean, I wouldn't subtract anything that I would uh, that I've done, or you know, Nallscape or even Walmart for that matter. I think those were all um, things that I would. I mean, if 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 I were presented with, I would take it up again um, and do that. So, yeah, I think from that point of view, I don't think there's uh, I have any things to change or any of that. Um, but yeah. yeah, that's something that I would pick up. And the other thing that I would also say, if I were to advise my younger self, is to probably pick a startup or a company that does, um, you know, for uh, that solves a problem that is faced by um, by a lot of people, right? So it shouldn't be a niche sort of an issue. It should be something that that, that solves an issue for a lot of people and solves it at scale, which is effectively what it means. And um, and you know myself being driven to actually being able to solve that problem, so I think that would be something that I would tell myself. But um, but apart from that, I think none, nothing to subtract from any of the experiences I've had. Yeah, I think it's interesting about um, perspective when to do because I kept thinking about that a lot. Um, even I did my MBA after like three, three and a half years of experience. Yeah. I at that point of time I felt really good because I was like, look, there are people coming right out of bachelor's and going into MBA, you know, with right. zero experience. Right. So I was in a much better position to absorb the learning comparatively. Right. But you know, now looking back, I wish I could have done later as well <laughs> yeah yeah and yeah. and i know a lot of people who did the mba even in the late 20s and 30s and even they say yeah. sometime and, and they come back and say i wish i would have done a lot sooner so okay. <laughs> i think i think it's 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 really interesting that mba is almost viewed as a one time thing you don't yeah like you know people restart their careers sometimes at different stages people go and right. you know learn online course at at you know multiple times people start multiple businesses but right. i think because mba requires such a big investment in time money and effort that right. hardly anyone even considers doing it multiple number of times in spite of wanting to do it multiple number of times <laughs> oh yeah totally i mean yeah um, more than money it's also the time that goes into it um, but yeah, I mean, if you were to ask, would you substitute that with a startup-like experience? Uh, that's going to 
you know, it's that's a tough question to answer, right? Um, I have, I mean, mo- I mean, some of the bigger name companies that we know today, uh, folks don't even have uh, a bachelor's, right, or or an MBA for that matter, right? So uh, that, that's a good question to ask, right? Whether do you actually need an MBA if you want to start up? If you actually want to solve a problem that 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 solves for a lot of people, uh, that that's a that's a different question altogether. Yeah. But from where I was and what the, the situation I had at that point in time, I think looking back, probably continue for maybe a year or two and then join uh, a different institution because at that point, uh, NUS didn't happen after the last round. So you know that sort of things um, keep coming back. Um, but but nothing again. Like like I said, nothing to subtract from what I've already. Yeah, done. it's so, a part of the experience. It's a part yeah, journey. I mean, I mean, who knows, right? Let's say you would have gone through a typical journey. Maybe you wouldn't have had the learnings that you have right now. So yeah. everything comes down to the perspective around that. That's, that's really interesting. <laughs> um, yes. One question I had was, you know, yes. I, I think you answered that a bit, but I want to understand besides that. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I place you in a room with, you know, the mm-hmm. MBA program directors and lecturers, what would you what would you like to tell them that that can help them improve um, you know what they were doing so one thing of course you mentioned is diversity that's something you would like it to be improved but besides that is there anything mm-hmm. else that you think they 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 should know or they need to know from you know someone like you who has had some experience after doing MBA yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making this as a blanket statement. I, I do know that a lot of directors, a lot of professors do encourage what I'm about to say, uh, but I do hope that there's a lot more encouragement to take risks, right? So uh, encouragement to the to the younger, you know, to the students, to uh, professionals who are taking MBAs, to even executive MBA folks as well, um, to take risks, right? Because you know, as part of the Nolscape experience, when I'm actually going and delivering some of these uh, simulations to managers, right? So I actually have to train them as well. I, that, that's how I would learn from their feedback and put it into the product, right? So one of the things I was trying, I was struggling with is there's a there's a part in the simulation that asks you to take risks. And for some reason, interestingly, they wouldn't do that because they would want to go ahead with the uh, you know the status quo and continue with that mm-hmm. rather than take a risk and maybe see uh, their profits you know virtual profits is all for a virtual company uh, fail right so that point i would say is something that needs to be encouraged if somebody's taking an mba um, that i didn't get a lot maybe it was a difference in the generation um, of professors who's teaching us maybe uh, as a different mindset altogether but we did have folks like uh, you know my uh, earlier boss who had a startup and come and teach in mba and who would also encourage us to uh, start up companies as well um, right but the school itself didn't have any incubator or any sort of entrepreneurship wing sort of thing to to begin with, right? So the question could be that, hey, why did you wait for that? You could have just started up and see, you know, things, you know, companies have started out of garages, for example, right? So uh, that's something that you know is, is is quite debatable. But I would say, yeah, I mean, that's something that is probably I'm just giving a reason for for not starting up. Uh, <laughs> but I would, uh, but I would think that there would be a lot more people who are quite entrepreneurial in the classroom who would probably be interested to start up, but without seeing these opportunities um, and not being encouraged, I would say, um, uh, you know, to start up and they don't end up starting up, right? So that I would say, and and, and it's not just about startup. It's, it's also about going to a larger company and be having that appetite for risk. Um, that I don't see a lot um, happening in uh, B-schools. And 
I mean, I probably don't have a lot of experience across B schools, but whatever I've uh, spoken to with friends and colleagues from other B schools, they say the same thing. Um, you know, we never thought about any of this until we read about various other companies that are doing this, right? So that's that's where I would um, I would you know ask them to focus on more uh, than the curriculum and the other things as well. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a good point. It's 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 really good point. The, the increasing the appetite for risk, or or maybe putting students more in, um, you know, un, unseen scenarios or, or throwing them in scenarios that are unexpected instead of forming a clear plan or a clear idea of what to do. Because because a real world is, is very different. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. You're almost coming across scenarios and situations that you haven't dealt with before. Yeah, exactly. Just to give an example, right? So uh, apparently at INSEAD, uh, I know this because, again, my manager was from INSEAD. They have this 100-day program. I don't know if you're already aware of this, mm-hmm. uh, where I think they put you as the uh, as a head of a, of a, of a manufacturing plant or, a, or a, you know, like a factory sort of place. And every day, the 100 days, right? So the, the real 100 days of the program, uh, you are hit with various events, various emails, right? And you need to be able to cope up with some of those events and emails, right? And one of the things that happens is one of the, um, you know, the, the factory workers there actually have uh, one of the limbs cut off because of an accident, right? And you have one wow. of the family members who's coming out and yelling at you at the top of the voice saying, this has happened to my brother or, or a family member, right? This has happened. How do you respond to that? Wow, that's really intense. Wow. That is intense, right? How do you how do you actually respond to that, right? That I think I mean I, I'm not saying okay all you know all <laughs> MBA, uh, curriculum should have something like this. But yeah. What I'm saying is a flavor of this uh, yeah, exactly. is something that I'm that that I'm looking at, and and you know all the CEOs today actually face some of these issues that that you know pe- there are uh, debts, there are unfortunate debts that that do happen in companies. How do they actually weather this? This is not something that's easily taught, right? Something that needs to be experienced. Um, I'm not saying I'm not I'm not simplifying this or any of that, but something that I think st- uh, you know st- it sort of stuck with me for a long time, right? I mean, I still don't have an answer how I would actually handle a situation like that, right? Yeah, but Maybe I think I think it's best. really I think you're hitting along, hitting on something really interesting because, I mean, yeah, that that's pretty intense that particular scenario. But on the other hand, if you look at some real scenarios, right? I mean, the CEO yeah. of Uber was kicked out. Um, oh yeah. You know, and and Google is going through a massive problem right now, um, right. in in the news, and you know, yeah. Twitter has gone through a lot of shit. Um, so, you know, people, <laughs> CEOs right. and the executives are dealing. There are some real world scenarios, so you actually don't even have to go too far to look for real world scenarios. <laughs> That's exactly right, and that, 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 that's what we try to sort of build into the simulation. But you can only do a little bit, right? I mean, it's it's an online sort of thing. So, how else can you build this into the program, right? I think that, uh, and and the other important point is each of these, uh, you know, these aspects, right? Whether it's HR, whether it's accounting, whether it's finance, it's all taught in a siloed manner, right? It's never taught in an integrated manner. Yeah. So when something goes wrong in your financials, right? You can't just be a CFO and looks only at the numbers, right? You've got to interface with other teams and find out what had what really happened, whatever it could be, right? Whether it's a 
factory, whatever, right? Whatever, if there's an issue at a factory, whether there was, uh, what it could be with a phone manufacturing uh, supplier, it could be any of those sort of situations, right? So it's got to be taught in a more integrated manner is what I would say. Uh, yeah, that's today, a really good point because, you know, even in real world scenarios, right? So, so for example, if a CEO is making a public statement, they don't involve the PR only at the last stage, right? They, yeah, actually, they exactly. actually get them all integrated and involved. But yeah, you're exactly. very right in business schools. I, I, I don't even think the professors sometimes know what the others are teaching, which is, which exactly. is kind of um, scary. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right, right? So the entire thing when cloud computing became a big thing, right? We moved from, you know, fixed costs to uh, capital expenditure to uh, to operational expenses, right? That is being taught really well um, in, in B-Schools, right? But what really happens beyond that, right? Why is it, uh, you know, something... I mean, there was also a case study, which I don't remember the company name, but they, they switched from a services company to a products company to increase their um, share prices. The CEO's bonus was obviously tied to the, to the share price of the company, mm. right? Now, this is being taught in, um, in, in, in like a financial sort of a setup, right? Um, so there the understanding is, oh, this is a financial problem, right? But it's not. It, it, it's impacting the entire company. It's impacting the product yeah. line completely. Right, impacting your supply chain, impacting the the skill sets that you require. Your HR goes for a toss, right? Yeah, it's impacting um, the marketing. It's impacting the yeah, communication, absolutely. copywriting, uh, everything. Exactly, everything, right? Your marketing, your, your, how you how do you pitch to your uh, customers goes for a toss, right? Uh, you see Accenture banners all over in airports. Why are they doing that when they are not really selling products? They're doing that so that they educate the business travelers who are traveling from various companies to various airports, right? So all of that goes, uh, you know undergoes changes so that's what i'm trying to say that it should be um, sort of flipped it should be more integrated um, more end-to-end sort of um, teaching needs to happen in b schools i think those are three three things that i think i would um i don't know if i'm you know have the power to advise yeah. but i would say those are things that i would give as feedback at least i think that's amazing i think i think i think this is like the best answer i've ever received trust me <laughs> uh, thanks for that <laughs> seriously yeah, I mean it, 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 it's, it's pretty obvious that you've given it some real good thought and you know I, I really wish that um, you know the institutions do listen to some of this because it's it's it's, it's feedback right I mean you cannot yeah. build a good product without getting feedback from your customers in this case the students are the customers to right. the educational product <laughs> Like, this is product management 101 <laughs> yeah exactly uh yeah mice have kept you far beyond what we had initially planned i just have one last question um sure. and, and then we good uh what is what is the one thing you wish i had asked you oh <laughs> <laughs> um hmm. interesting one thing i i mean i don't know uh I think you've sort of covered most of the things that, that I had in mind. Um, or what is or, or, or what is the one real, you know, piece of advice that, that you really want to give? Oh, okay. So, uh, okay, let me, let me, so I just thought of an answer for your previous question. Cool. So, uh, I think it would be awesome to catch up over coffee when you're back in India um, to sort of get, you know, your experience about the podcast that you're doing, uh, not to put it back on you, but yeah, I think uh, <laughs> genuinely curious to know about the various experiences you've had. And obviously one way to do is to go back and look at all your podcast episodes. I'll do that for sure. Uh, but also to know from your point of view, uh, 
this is flipping the you know <laughs> thing back at you ask you some questions as well i think that would be something that you know i would uh, probably expect you to do like maybe say you know when can we meet next sort of thing that would have probably been a question that i would expect um yeah i think uh, i think that's 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 what i would do cool. uh, what was your second question what was your i mean um, i mean to answer your first question as well yeah absolutely it'll, it'll, it'll be great to catch up i'm probably coming there in uh, december Okay, um, yeah, for a longest break in India. So yeah, it'll awesome. be great to catch up. I'm coming to Bangalore. My wife is in Chennai, of course. So I will visit Chennai as well. And I'm visiting oh, awesome. Pune because our common friend, Pavi, Pavitra, is oh, okay. in Pune. <laughs> okay. awesome. um, so, yeah, yeah, you should do some episodes here as well. You should also get your friend who runs a startup here. Um, I think it'll be great. I think, I think it's a yeah. great idea. I think we can, have like a, we can have like a... You know, a forum or, or something like that where everyone yeah. can just yeah. pitch in and we can even telecast it live through Facebook Live or something. I don't know. That'll be awesome. But yeah, it, it, awesome. it will be pretty, it will be pretty, pretty awesome. Yeah. And, and in terms of the learnings, you know, I've had, it's, it's been fantastic, you know, get, you know, capturing the experiences of different kind of people who have done the MBA is, is, right. is fantastic. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting the opportunity to talk to some really smart people. Um, you know, that's, that's why I'm right. doing it. I'm doing it to, to, you know, capture the learnings from people who have spent time, money, you know, investment, effort, opportunity cost to do an MBA. And to be honest, like you, Everyone, not mm-hmm. everyone, like you, a lot of people are more than happy to talk. A lot of people are more than happy to come back and contribute. I think the yeah. only problem is nobody's ever asked them. <laughs> so <laughs> that's that's yeah. all I'm doing. I'm just asking. And a lot of people come back and say yes. So, yeah, that's that's been my greatest experience from this. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. A lot more to talk on, I'm sure. Um, but yeah. Uh, Absolutely. I, I've kept you for too long, My This last point is how <laughs> do... Was how... It, was, it was nice <laughs> interacting with you. A lot of great questions. Um, so how do... Yeah, great. Absolutely good. Great, great. You enjoyed it as well. How do people get in touch with you and how can they know more about you? Um, yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, um, I, so maybe... I think when you share your episode, um, I could probably comment on it and you can tag me there. Yeah. I'm also on Facebook, uh, but I think LinkedIn is, uh, I would prefer to be reached out on LinkedIn. Uh, I do uh, access it quite often. Uh, Twitter, not so much. Uh, Facebook, definitely, yes, but uh, LinkedIn is probably my most preferred social network at this point. So, yeah. Yep, cool. And and also, as always, you know, if, if someone wants to know more about Mahesh, always email me at avinas.mbhjam.com and I'm more than happy to pass across a reference to Mahesh. Mahesh, has been a pleasure. What time is in India right now? It is 11.53 p.m. <laughs> oh, man. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It, no, didn't, just, didn't you have like a stand-up at 11.45? No, that's okay. The, the team is already on it, so I'm going to join a little late, but that's okay. No, okay. No I, I won't keep you for too long, but Mahesh, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot All for right. talking to us. Thanks thanks to you too, Arinash. Thanks a lot. <laughs> All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The MBA Jam. Now it's time for you to take action. Head over to thembajam.com to listen to more episodes and discover great resources.